Hey, Stephanie Goss, you got a second to talk about guardian vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vet. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the uh, on the phones or up at the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Annie and I dive into a letter from the mailbag from a doctor who has an associate vet who seems very unhappy. And as a result, they're making life very challenging for the team, and they kind of seem to be deteriorating mood-wise, behavior-wise, all of the things. And this doctor is looking for some advice on how to handle the situation. This was a fun one, so let's get into it. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie, I am barely breathing God. Because <laughs> I am barely breathing. I can't find the air. I mean, yeah. I, you know, at the end of the year, it always it always feels that way. It is That is not an untrue name uh, right now. I can appreciate that one very much. Oh, it is crazy. That- that's a that's a Thanksgiving song for me. I'm, bar- I'm barely breathing, and my pants are way too tight. Um, like I'm just like, ugh. I can't, can't expand my chest because I ate so much. Uh, yeah, that's that's it. So funny. Oh, yeah. How uh, how was Thanksgiving with your family? It was. Uh, it was good. I think it was good. Yeah, we we did we did two Thanksgivings, right? So uh, which is great. I always recommend two Thanksgiving. If I can get in, on, if I could get in and do Canadian Thanksgiving like a month or two ahead, I would do that too. <laughs> like I would do three Thanksgivings if I could. Um, okay, I'm not sure how to make that work, but uh, but I'm I'm looking for it anyway. Um, it, it was it was it was good. I uh, I I did the thing with the family. And, and, uh, and we just, we just, we just rolled with it. And so I, you know, I read this article that I actually really like a lot. And it was this article from this woman who writes cookbooks and she was talking about her Thanksgiving and she was like, I have taught all of my children and my, and my in-law children, like how to make these dishes. Everyone has assignments. We have spreadsheets. We <laughs> review the spreadsheets. We have oven sign-up times. You know what I mean? Like they, they uh-huh. were like, we, we do group grocery lists. We have organizational apps that we use to track ingredients for sure. purchasing. And she's like, and then it's total chaos every time. 
<laughs> and I thought that was so funny because she laid down so much work. She's like, uh, she every every Thanksgiving her mother sits down and does a post mortem and like <laughs> and like reviews the dishes. And she was like, Oh, the time that my my son's brand new wife brought a pie that got a B minus was like, oh, ooh, this is a tense family time. And, and so she goes through and she says all these things to emphasize like how organized she is and then says, and it's total chaos. And then she says, the chaos is the point. Like the point of this is to forge these memories of everyone crammed into the kitchen together pushing each other out of the way and stepping on each other. Sure. And that's what the holiday is. And if it's not chaotic, then it's not memorable. And the chaos is what we remember of that, like, almost forced togetherness. Right. And the challenge of kind of trying to make this thing happen so we have this sort of shared memorable experience. And man, I really love that because I think a lot of times people go into the holidays or in other aspects of their life with this idea that it's going to be just this well-oiled machine. And then it's not. And it never is. And the sad thing is they feel like a failure. I um, When I lecture a lot of times, I will put up a picture of the Disney princesses and say, you know, we talk about vet clinics as if this is what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be these pictures of happy, lovable perfection, you know, and everybody's got all their stuff together and everyone's in a beautiful gown and, and it all looks great. But we're not Disney princesses. And, and then I'll hit the next slide and it's the Muppet Show. Like, we're the freaking <laughs> Muppet Show, right? There's there's yelling, there's drum banging. Uh-huh. Someone's, you know, riding a bull through the living room. Like, like that's that's what life really is. And I think aspiring to be Disney princesses, I think you can aspire as long as you recognize that you're one of the Muppets trying to be a Disney princess. And you're okay with that. And so anyway, (laughs) uh, all of that to come around to say, it's just, that's what I've been thinking a lot of. How was my Thanksgiving? It was chaos. Chaos. And I think that that's the point. And I'm really happy with it. How about you? Uh, It was, it was good. It was, it was mellow. It was, it was quiet. Uh, The kids and I had some rowdy board games uh, time and uh, there was, there was lots of laughing, which is, which is the best. And uh, it was the stress of like, it's always this challenge for me because we're getting ready to leave or I'm getting ready to leave to come to Greenville for a practice owners summit. And so I was weighing the, do I get a tree now and avoid the stress of coming home and being like, there's two weeks till Christmas, let's go get a tree. Or do I, and, and, and risk getting to Christmas and the tree is dry and dropping needles everywhere and my house is a wreck or do I take the trade off and wait until I <laughs> wait until I come back and then have the last minute panic and so I ultimately we chose uh, just getting it now it felt super early and there was nobody there was nobody out looking for trees yet because <laughs> it's like right after Thanksgiving but it was it was great so the house is decorated and we've hit that stage where the kids can do a lot of the work and it's amazing and I take full advantage of it <laughs> Yeah. But as a parent, I'm like, you guys oh, yeah. go to town. Like, I'm just going to sit right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. That's that's like that's the um, that's the evolution of it along. Right. Is is that the kids like you can throw them into this. And yes. uh, 
it's good for them. It's good for them to feel some ownership of what we do. At some point, like I was putting, I was putting up like the Christmas tree, and I look around, and my daughters are just lounging on the couches, and I was like, "What is this? Like, you're the ones who want this." Yes. Uh huh. Uh, no. Nope. So anyway, that that came to a screeching halt for them. Yes. <laughs> they they slammed headfirst into what I call reality. Uh, <laughs> And they were put to work. But yeah, oh, yeah. No, uh, I'm like, you want it? You do the you have to help do the work. Like, I am yeah. not going to do all the work or it just doesn't happen. And we had one year where I, I just didn't. I was like, no, if you guys aren't going to do it, like it's just getting our tree sat there for several days without anything on it. Because I was like, I'm not going to do all this work by just myself. A naked tree sitting mm-hmm. there. And that was the one and only time. And ever since they have been, they have been great and they're, they're all about it. So they, uh, we had a great day decorating yesterday. It was, it was good. It was, it was I good. imagine a really sad tree. Like, is it, is it like the Charlie Brown special where there's like this <laughs> tiny little tree, little tiny right? Tree. It's, it's got like one ornament on it and it bends over. I do. <laughs> that is, that is a good mental picture. Uh, no, it is this year they chose a big, a uh, giant like nine foot tree so there yeah. was ladders involved this year so i was like okay all right yeah. this is well, where we're at. in washington i expect an impressive evergreen from you yes yes and and i i do i the one of the things i love about being here is like the availability of fresh ingredients to decorate so we always have this the cedar um garland and the whole nine yards so it is uh it is quite it is quite fun. I enjoy. I enjoy it. But now it's back to reality because then you sit down at your desk Monday morning, and there's just piles of work and hundreds yeah. of emails and <laughs> and the pain of taking a long weekend and and having having some some break. But it's it's good. It's good. It's just the busy yeah. time of year. I walked right into that of like all the things that I said. Oh look, we'll do that after the holiday. They were all just standing and waiting for me. Yes. Like yeah. <laughs> Like like walking into a circle of bullies who are waiting after school. Like that's that's what it felt like for me to come to work. But it's uh it's all good. I'm I'm excited to come to Greenville and uh, I'm excited to to get into to get into some of the work that we've got some good stuff happening and it feels it feels good to be creative. I'm excited about this week's uh this week's episode. We got a good yeah. question from the mailbag, and it's uh it's funny because. Uh, there's a time in my career where I could have written, <laughs> I could have written this email. <laughs> so yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a great one. Um, it was kind of long, so I'm just gonna kind of give us this, the summary and the gist, and then we can pick out uh, pieces out of it because I think again, totally. I think this will be one of those episodes where lots of people are like, "Is this, is this my clinic?" Yeah. So we have uh, an associate vet who has joined a practice, and the associate seems really unhappy. So uh, she is uh, making life very challenging for the team. She pre previously had been doing relief work and came and did relief work at this practice. And the team really loved her. They all got along really well when she was doing relief and everything seemed good. Uh, And so they offered her a position as an associate. And so she's come on full time. And since joining the practice, things have kind of seemed to fall apart a bit. She's really uh, overwhelmed, seems really anxious, is struggling when the team doesn't do things the way that she wants or what she thinks is the right way following like they're they're doing things that are, uh, you know, differing from protocols. It seems a lot of it seemed to me like she is struggling in a world of gray because she is seeing things in black and white. And so it seems like she's really um, unhappy and that's manifesting itself. Like what they're what they're seeing in this practice is lots of uh, snappy, uh, snappy 
tone of voice, um, you know, getting micromanaging, getting all over people when little mistakes are made. And at the same time, she has lots of overwhelm in her own work. So she's got stack of charts on her desk, things left undone for, you know, weeks at a time, messages that haven't been called back, um, you know, that are a week overdue, that kind of stuff. And so the doctor that sent in the message was like, okay, looking at it now, it seems like they're a very poor fit for us. And so I'm wondering, like, what do I, what do, I do here? Because the market for vets is really, really slim. I feel like this person um, isn't a fit for us. In fact, the, the practice had uh, someone in doing doing an internship in their practice. And apparently that person made a comment, like, I would never treat my team that way. Um, yeah. After seeing the associate doctor kind of go off on somebody for making a mistake. And so they're really struggling with like, what do I do with this situation? Do I... Um, you know, how, how do I how do I manage it? It doesn't for context, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of regular communication has happening. Sounds like they've had some conversations about like, how can we support you? How can we make this better? But not um, not a lot of regular visiting of that conversation. Um, and so they're like, how do I just how do I get them in a better headspace? How do I how do I solve this problem? Yeah, the uh, this is this is this is pretty this is unfortunately uh, a fairly sort of common presentation so yeah. when we get questions like this the devil's in the details you yes. know there's we have an associate vet who's not getting along with the staff uh someone else goes i have that same problem it's true that you have wildly <laughs> different problems you know but but they get lumped together as right. you know the the we're not getting along we're not getting along can mean a lot of different things and yes. so we have to always start these things let's start with headspace as as we usually do okay um it's you know assume good intent uh, uh, up front you know it's um it's easy it's easy to get locked in on an idea of like this person is messing up and so i'm going to get really fixated on them and i'm going to watch for them to mess up yes. and just add a laundry list of things and we've all, yes. you know, i don't know i'm sure i'm not alone in, in seeing that with people where you go uh -uh. oh you're first of all you're right this person is struggling and you watching them like a hawk and documenting every misstep they make during the day and and blowing it up because it's not a tiny mistake. It's further confirmation of this significant problem. Um, that doesn't help get past the problem. It doesn't set the person being watched like a hawk up for success. No. And it's miserable from the person who's hyper attuned to this because they take every misstep as a huge failing, mm -hmm. you know, and so that's mm -hmm. not a good headspace to be in. Now, at the same time, we're not going to let this person go on and be awful to the staff. I'm really bothered by the fact that someone was there and said, I will never treat my staff that way. Yeah, I, I really don't like that. Yeah, but but we can we can balance those things. And so trying to start with a good headspace is always my first thing is go, you know what, let's not let's try not to judge. Let's instead, let's try to diagnose. And I really think a lot of this comes down to what is going on? We, we had this person, they were doing relief work and they seemed to know what we were doing. Honestly, this is kind of the ideal hiring scenario. They know your staff, you know them, you've seen them in battle conditions, you know, and it seemed to work and it seemed good and they came on. 
how did we get to this toxic, bad, dark place when we had such a nice start of of being open and transparent and everybody knows everybody? And so I would start off with that and say, what is the diagnosis? When I read this letter, it's like a, a number of the letters that we get where people will come forward and they have kind of a laundry list of, of the things that are problems. Well, the person is a micromanager and they're mean to the staff and they get really huffy and they don't write up their records or, and I'm sort of pulling these out of the air. Sure. Uh, not that this one was here, but, but we get like a list of, of behaviors like that. And I, I generally look at it and I go, no, I don't know what to do with this. When I, you know, when we're looking at people and managing people. And my question is, is this, 10 different problems or is this one problem that's manifesting 10 different ways and if it's 10 different problems that's usually really bad there's usually (laughs) not much that we can do you know what i mean if you're like i have 10 problems with this person i go the the answer is going to be for you and that person to part ways because 10 problems is too many problems right if you're like i have one problem with this person and it manifests all these different ways then that's very doable. So, mm-hmm. for example, if I have a um, if I have a doctor who refuses to take days off, who calls multiple times when she's off, she won't um, go home at night because she's writing up records. She rides the staff really hard because she says they're not doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. She um, she won't let other doctors see quote unquote her cases. That may sound like a laundry list to you. To me, I say, oh. This person does not trust, trust the practice that she's in. There's a trust yep. problem. And yep. all of those behaviors are from one behavior, which is this person doesn't trust what is happening in the practice and other people taking care of what they're supposed to take care of. And so that's not 10 problems. That's one problem. And we can talk to this person about trust. And it may be that we can meet their needs and get them to let go a little bit. And we can come to a workable solution here, as opposed to this person is doing 10 radically different things that are that are culturally incompatible with what we're doing and i go i probably can't help you there this is probably just not a relationship that's going to work and yeah. so anyway that, that's the thing i put first from a head headspace standpoint is we need to do some diagnostics here seek first to understand is this a, a lot of different problems or is this one problem what are, your, what are your thoughts on that when you look at this i mean did you are you seeing a pattern here are you seeing one problem well it, it's it's interesting because i probably uh, no there's not one clear-cut problem here when i when i read this and i also am not sure that it's actually 10 different problems and so when i was looking at this i was i was trying to pick apart um like you like what what is what is the root here right like what is what is the real challenge and for me from a headspace perspective I wondered if it was a little bit of what you were talking about earlier, which is when we see something as negative. Uh, so I'm going to, so from, from a person, I went through a period of time where I was struggling uh, mm-hmm. to get along with somebody that I, w- that was on my team. And was it me? Uh, it was me, it, wasn't it? <laughs> I was struggling to get along with somebody on my team. Uh, no, it, wasn't, it, was, it was not you. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although this could this could apply to you, it could apply to anybody because here's yeah, what happens. Totally. When we're when we're frustrated and we're 
angry um, and we or any of those strong emotions. It is really, really easy to do exactly what you said, which is I could look at like if I'm frustrated with you or I'm mad at you about something, it's really easy for me to look at you. And now all of a sudden, instead of being able to see any of the good things, all I'm seeing are the things that are irritating me because I am irritated. I am in a state of upset. I am frustrated. I am angry, whatever that emotion is. And now all of a sudden, it's really easy to start picking at Mm -hmm. all the little things that on an or a completely average ordinary day, I would give zero Fs about. Like I would not even notice, care, think yeah. twice about. But because I'm frustrated, because I'm angry, because I'm irritated, all of those things seem huge. And so to me in reading this, it seemed like there might be a little bit of that happening. And I could, to- I could totally be wrong. Like these could all be no, I agree. regularly occurring patterns of behavior that really are 10 different problems. And at the same time, it's really easy to get into that negative headspace. And I mean, I, I, I have, I have done it with you. I've done it. I've done it with some of my closest friends, sure. with my family. Like when you get irritated, that's all, that's all you see. And you oh, really yeah. do have to work extra hard yeah. to force yourself to be in that good headspace and assume good intent and say, okay, let's start with the good. Like let's, yeah. let's put together a good list because one of the things that I would say from a headspace perspective here is that you need the ability to step back a second and do some weighing from a pro-con perspective because to your point, if it is really 10 things and you probably should part ways, one of the things that I wanna do before I get to that that step is to figure out like, is there something worth saving here? And in order to do that, I have to look at the good as well. And so for me, some of it is like, let's step back. Let's assume good intent for a second and say, what are the things that this person is doing well? What is the good in this relationship? And and really try to find those examples so that I can do a little balancing and a little perspective exercise for myself and say, am I just nitpicking the hell out of this because I'm irritated with this person and I just want to stab them in the eyeball with a fork? Like, because that's a real place that we get to in our heads. And like, it's really easy to be that negative. Or is there good? I think think you're totally right. I mean, I've seen this exact behavior in myself with my wife. Sure. I love dearly, deeply. Like, I think anyone who's been married, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I really believe probably anyone who has been married for any amount of time, you're like, I got married last week. But I haven't seen this. I'm like, okay. But other than that, come if back you've to been us married for any amount of time, you have come to a period where your spouse has just irked yes. you. And yes. everything they do is seen through the lens that you're looking through as something else that further irks you. And like that's just about, I think that happens with anybody. But I'm trying to think of examples that aren't going to get me in trouble when my oh, when they when I get in that wife. headspace, I get real mad and I'm like, you're unloading the dishwasher incorrectly. Like it's yeah. that little level. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you're taking oh. out the trash wrong. Like, can you do that quieter? <laughs> oh, yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I give the example. I have a story about this person who um, she believed her boss was out to get her. And she was asked why she thought her boss was out to get her. And she said, because the boss has moved all the birthday celebrations to Tuesday at lunch. And the person <laughs> said, well, why is that? And she's like, because he hates me. And and he said, well, how does this, him hating you? And she was like, he knows that on Tuesdays I have this thing and I never get done on time. And so I always get to lunch a half an hour late. 
And so he's put birthdays on Tuesdays to spite me <laughs> so that I would. And she was 100% serious yes. that this was. Now, she Out could to be get right. you. Her boss could be <laughs> next level. Thing. I mean, that is Dr. Evil freaking um, like i mean honestly there are petty petty people who are playing the games at that level i i'm sure there are but yes. to me i i just sit and go are you serious right now and i have had those thoughts of like you're unloading the dishwasher right now because i'm listening to a podcast i'm very excited about and you know how distracting it is when you do that you know it's just it's something ridiculous yes. and yes these are not but we all have these thoughts and, and i say them jokingly um, but once they happen, sometimes it's hard to get your head pulled out of your, uh, uh you know, coat and, um, <laughs> and say, wait a second. Now let's hold on now. Let's reset mentally here. That's really hard. Right. When it really gets hard is like, pardon me, but like the old Middle Eastern conflict model where I don't even remember what you did that made me irked, but you mm -hmm. did something. And mm -hmm. so I did, so I did something back and that made you hurt. And now this thing has built up over you did a thing. And so I, in my resentment, did a thing. And now we've both spun up to the point you go, what is this even about? And nobody remembers. Right. But here we are. And, and right. I've seen those things happen as well. So anyway, my, my point here in, in sort of getting to the diagnosis. So part one was, what, what is this really about? Is this is this multiple problems or is this one problem? Yeah. If it's multiple problems, I, I do think you're right, is um, can we reset here? And I think that's going to be a big part of action steps. The first thing we're going to talk about is an intervention to try to hit a reset button. And, I, and I've been, we've been able to pull these out um, when we get to that point. But yeah, what is going on here? And then the other part of being fair to the other person is what is what is my role here? You know? Yes. And so, yeah. So let's let's start with it with our our safe for the conversation, right? Yes. Can I sit next to this person? Can I smile at them? Um, and, and that goes into assuming good intent. Like, okay, right. they're doing this thing. This this is not acceptable. If if I can't smile at this person or just talk to them, I'm not in a headspace to have this. I'm triggered, and this is going to go badly. Sure. A is assume good intent. Like, okay. Something is going on with this person. I really like the fact that they said the associate that she's overwhelmed and anxious. I think that's I think that's the words that she used at the mm -hmm. beginning, but definitely overwhelmed and struggling. And mm -hmm. I say, you know what? That's a good way to look at this as overwhelmed and struggling because we can all empathize with that feeling. So assuming good intent. She's not trying to be toxic. She's not trying to run you out of business. She's not trying to take chase the staff away. She's just struggling. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. F is, is set up to fail. And I think this is a big one. Yes. Has this person been set up to fail? Meaning, have expectations been communicated? Have we said anything at the very beginning of these behaviors? Or are these behaviors that have piled up without us having a real heart-to-heart -heart conversation? Has she been misled about what her days were going to be like? Is she being supported by a staff that was fair given her experiences as a relief vet? And if you're like, it's the exact same staff that she's known as a relief vet, I would say, well, that seems like she said I had pretty clear expectations. Has she been coached on these behaviors? Or is this something where we've just kind of let this all bubble and boil and now we've got to deal with it? Yeah. And I think that the the F is a, is a big one for me. And this was one where I was like, ooh, this episode might be a little bit of camp tough love 
because for me, a lot of this is, I think you got to own some of this as, as the, as, and I'm going to speak to manager and it could be practice owner who's managing or the practice manager, but whoever is actually in charge of this situation. Um, I think that, I think that there's some self-reflection here and that ultimately like when, when this was me in the practice, like this was, this was a bitter, it's a bitter pill, pill to swallow, but it's an important one in terms of leadership growth because relief is not the same as full-time. And so you said, you know, is this the team that she has been working with in since the beginning? And I think that there's value in asking those questions. And at the same time, I've never once worked with a relief doctor where the expectations for them and the the like nitty gritty nuance of how we work with them is exactly the same as it would be an associate doctor in practice. There is always flexibility and there's always difference there. And I ran a ship where I expected a lot out of my relief doctors. And I communicated that up front. Like, here's mm-hmm. here's what we, we want. Like, we're not, we have a certain level of medicine that we're practicing. And these are our standards of care. Do you agree with this? Like, there was a whole interview process to make sure that culturally it was a good fit with the relief doctors so that our clients got the same level of experience. And at the same time, there was lots of things that got, that we let slip and that, you know, s- slid around <laughs> when, when a relief vet was present because you, it's not the same. Those are two, those are two different things. And I say that because the expectations for you as a practice are radically different, even if it's unspoken. And also the expectations as on the flip side, as the doctor, those are two very different things. And re- practicing relief in a practice that you like the team and you get along with every th- everybody is still radically different than being there every day or, you know, four days a week, whatever full-time schedule is as an associate vet, those two things are radically different. And I think that there's probably a lot of the unpacking of this conversation falls around expectations. And so I'm so glad you, you said that. Yeah, no, I I think, I think you're, you're, you're really spot on with that. The last part of safe is E is what is the end result? And I, you know, I think people go, well, I want this person to immediately cease and desist all negative behaviors. And I go, well, that's probably not going to happen right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I think the end result for having this conversation is I want this person to feel heard and I want to feel heard. And I want to have a path forward for how we're going to work through this. Yes. What I don't want as an end result, what I'm not looking for is apology for past behavior, you know, um, just uh, owning things a person did before. I would like that. But really, my focus here is not on adjudicating what happened before and did this person micromanage? Were they mean? Was what that intern said valid? Um, Right. I can't change the past. It was or it wasn't. It doesn't really matter. What does matter is that things have to change going forward. Yeah. And so just remember to keep that forward focus as you as you move into this conversation. And so, yeah, I, I think that that's really important. I think the last part for Headspace for me is sometimes, especially we see changes in behavior like this, um, sometimes it's because people really are struggling, right? Mm-hmm. And And there's nuance here. But it helps me to be empathetic and I think to be a good leader if I can talk to someone and understand that this person is behaving the way they are because they are struggling. And that just helps me to get into a good headspace. And this is important because there's nuance here. Someone can be struggling 
and still be held accountable to our core standards and our standards of behavior. Yes. And that doesn't make me a monster for saying, I understand that you're having a hard time and I want you to be successful and I want you to be here and I'm willing to invest in you to try to keep you here and to make these things happen. And at the same time, I cannot have our staff members complaining about feeling unsafe. Right. I can't have our staff members complaining that they feel uh, tyrannized or yelled at. Those things cannot happen. Right. And I really think that we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get into action steps about about laying those things down. We've had a couple of episodes recently that have kind of touched on this. There really is that balance. And so we're going into the Practice Owner Summit. And that's that's the focus of my presentation at Practice Owner Summit is is it's not about making everyone happy. It's about finding the balance between yeah. people. And I want to meet the needs of this associate vet. But at the same time, it's my job to protect the staff and make sure their needs are being met. And so part of balance is to say, I want to support you and I want to help you and I can commit to giving you my time and energy or coaching or support or whatever else you need as long as these other needs that I have for my associate vets are being met. And if they can't meet my needs, then then this is not going to work. And it's not, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't right. mean I'm mad about it. It doesn't mean that, you know, that they aren't struggling or I think that they're not doing their best. It's just, I, this is not, this doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for the team. And so there's, there is nuance in that where you can have someone, and I think a lot of people in vet medicine struggle with this. You can have someone who is struggling and at the same time, they can't continue to work here because their behaviors are not changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with that. I feel like this is a good spot to take a quick break and then we come back and talk about action steps. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Hey friends, I just want to jump in here for a quick second and say that I am super, super pumped about all of the awesome things that we have coming down the pipeline in 2023. Now, we haven't announced all of the surprises that we have coming for all of you, but there are lots of great things coming to kick off the year. And if you haven't signed up for some of the workshops uh, and events that are happening in the first quarter of 2023, you want to head your little self over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events and check out what we've got coming. If you are a member, all of the workshops are listed there. You can log into your account and sign up for free. If you are not a member, you should check out what's coming and consider a membership for 2023 because you could pay $99 per workshop, but you also could pay $6.99 and sign up for a whole year of registration as a member. And then you get access not only to all of the workshops that we do, but all of the amazing content that happens over in our workplace group uh, and our community. It is so fun. It is lively. It is just jam-packed with conversation from the community about what's going on in their practices, how to solve challenges, how to support each other. And it is one of my favorite places to spend time. So I would love to see you there. If you need that address one more time, it's unchartedvet.com forward slash events. And now back to the podcast. All right, let's get into some action steps here. The The first thing I, I just want to lay down is... Um, and you, I said this in, in the first half, but I just, this, is why, this is why I took the microphone when we came back, because I'm like, I'm going to say this before <laughs> Stephanie says something else. Um, it, it, action steps are, uh, it's time for an intervention. 
And, and I call this an intervention because I don't like interventions. Let me just say this is sure. some people would be like, this is the come to Jesus talk. And I'm like, no, nah, it kind of is. I, I, I don't want it to be. I really don't like this. The best way to handle this situation is to get in your time machine and go back six months or a year or two years. And as soon as that behavior first started, you say, hey, what, that's not like you. What, what, help me understand. What, what do you think? Like, what, what happened here? I'm going to say, what do you think? But, but I'm going to try to say it in a person. It's like, hey, you know, we don't do that here. Tell me what's going on. Sure. And that's, that's the best thing. So if you've got a time machine, you should use it and go back to the first time it happened and say something right then at the very beginning that brings us out in the open. Barring that, and given the fact that this has gotten to this place and all of these behaviors have been documented, and we've had this experience with the intern coming and, and being like, what is this? Uh, it's our best hope is intervention with follow-up. I think yes. a lot of people are like, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have the big talk and then I'm gonna go right back to how things were before and this person's behavior is just going to be different and they're going to just be changed by themselves. They're like, no, nope. we're, we need to try to hit the reset button, which is a big thing. And it goes back to what we were talking about before about the spinning up and the resentment upon resentment or looking through this negative lens at other things and the list of grievances getting bigger and bigger. We need to hit that reset button to get a fresh start. Yeah. And then we need to have ongoing conversations or coaching conversations thereafter. And so I yes. think if your expectation is have the conversation and then be done, that's that's not where we are. That's unrealistic expectations. You're going to be unhappy with the results you get. Do yeah. you agree with that? I 100%. And I think that for me, a huge part of where we start action stepwise, um, like I said, goes back to looking at the F because looking at looking at the email, um, they're like they they have done this person has done some great things in terms of trying to to manage this. So they were like, you know, we have had some conversations about the specific way that that uh, this associate is talking to the team and confronting them and the impact that it has on the team, which is wonderful and amazing. Yep. And they were like, you know, and then we get a couple of weeks where the behavior starts to shift and then we go back to the snapping and the criticizing and the, the way that it was. And so I think you're spot on with that, which is when we're asking for behavioral training, we have to follow the training model that we know works, right? Like you, you we've talked about this on the podcast before. We are simple animals <laughs> and, and training requires doing the same things over and over and over again and rewarding the good. And so I think that for me, there was a lot of things in kind of the list of things that are going frustrating, that are frustrating this person where I'm like, okay, are you having a lot of the like come to Jesus conversations or are you having ongoing conversations about how is this going? What went well here and what needs to change? Because when we're talking about behavioral things like it, it needs to lean much more in towards high frequency in terms of the touch points than than low frequency. Like this needs yeah. to be a regular. Hey, today was a great day. Thank you for, thank you for, you know, the hard work today. I know that it was, a, you know, I know it was a challenging day, but you did a great job and you gave the team, you know, you interacted with them really well and I really appreciate it, right? It's yeah, that or, kind of ongoing. Or are you having Andy Rourke 2010 conversations that were conversations <laughs> that only I know I'm having and the other person's <laughs> oblivious to where you're like, I, I'm so subtle I'm not convinced the other person understood the conversation that happened. You yes. know? And so there'll be people who I'll be like, did you speak to them about 
them being mean to the staff and they'll be like, yeah. And I'll be like, what did you say? And they were like, I asked them, how was your day? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And they said it was fine. And I said, good, fine days are good. And I think they got the message. I'm, I'm telling you, the, I just tell you the best story okay. <laughs> that illustrates okay. that illustrates okay. that okay. point perfectly. So, um, <laughs> I once upon a time had a manager, um, and the expectation was that we would have regular one-on-ones when they when we had time scheduled where they were in the practice because they weren't in the practice all the time. And the expectation for me for a one-on-one was we're going to actually sit down and have a conversation about how are things going? We're going to talk about specifics. We're going to talk about what's going well, what's not working and like get into the details. We never talked about what the actual expectations would look like. I just was like one-on-one, like we're going to have time on the calendar. This means we'll sit down, we'll have a whole conversation. And probably like, I don't know, the first three months went by and they came regularly. They showed up when they were supposed to. They brought coffee for everybody. They were like, hey, how's it going? how's it, how's everything going in the practice? And like, you know, things are, things are going okay. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're just trucking along. And then before I knew it, like the day was gone, was done and they had left and like, we hadn't actually sat down and have a conversation. Oh, like that, you know, they've got other stuff going on in their schedule. Like we'll sit down and have a conversation. And so it came time to do our reviews and one of the questions asked was like, how are, how are the one-on-ones going with your, with your boss? And I gave a really low score. And uh, my boss's boss was like, hey, I want to talk to you about this low score that you gave. And I was like, okay. And they were like, well, why was your score so low? And I was like, well, because I haven't actually had a one-on-one with them. And I was like, I, you know, I'm, I guess that that'll get that that'll get better. I know things have been really busy, like assuming good intent. Like I know they've got a lot going on and, and they were like, well, they said that you guys have been meeting every time that they have been at the practice. And I was like, they did. And in, in the, in the other person's head, the one-on-one for them was, how's it going? Yep. It was them asking the question, how's it going? And my answer was, was the answer to a one-on-one in their head and my expectation and their expectation were at two opposite ends of oh, the yeah. scale. Oh, that's funny. Because I'm over here thinking, we haven't had a single one-on-one yet. And they're, <laughs> and they're like, she and, said she was fine. And so I wrote that down. 100%. Damn. 100%. Nailing this management thing. <laughs> but it's it's like that that's part of it from an expectations perspective and also to your point like the communication perspective like are are you actually having the conversation you think you are having super super important and part of that is you have to get it out of your head and you have to be able to communicate it to them and vice versa so that you know what are the actual expectations right and for for me a lot of the f like when i was looking at this and again, we hyper-focus on the negative because when mm. I was reading this, I was picking it apart and I'm like, oh, well, as a manager, like they should be doing this and they should be doing this and they should be doing this. And then I was like, whoa, you're picking them apart too, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is also not fair. And at the same time, like for me, some of it is, okay, look, if you're having a challenge with a thing, with a behavior, in order to change that behavior, like there has to be regular regular follow-up and regular conversation, not just a, hey, today was really bad. Like, let's have a conversation about how bad it was because I'm going to ask you to fix it. Like those conversations are important, but equally important is the, hey, this was a really good day or, hey, this was kind of in between. Here's what you did great. And here's here's what we still need to to work on. And it needs to be 
regularly occurring versus just those like spot conversations when it's really not so great, which again, the devil's in the details, right? And we're only getting part of the story in this email, but I suspect that there's maybe a little bit of that happening where to your point, it's the come to Jesus conversations yeah, and not as much of that regular follow-up. I agree. I mean, one of the things I think I want to try to do in the podcast, I'm looking at 2023 and I'm thinking about, about you know, kind of what we do here. And I, I love our podcast and I love our conversations. I think I want to challenge myself in 2023 to try to do a little bit more role play kind of stuff on the podcast. And just, I know a lot of people are we like, man. We get asked for that a lot. Uh, we do get asked for like, how yeah. do you say that? And when we do it, people tend to really like it and we get really good feedback on it. And I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think I'm just going to try to factor that in a little bit more. So, so let's 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 role play a little bit right here. Okay. And so we're talking about action steps, and we're talking about this intervention. And so people say, well, you know, what does that look like? Um, you know, the first thing that I want to do is say, okay, remember when we're going to go in, we need to speak in specifics, right? Because if we go and say, hey, I, I don't think things are going well, like what does that mean? Or the staff is unhappy. Like that's 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 hard to give people. Like <laughs> I don't understand what that means. If you came to me and said, Andy, the staff is unhappy, uh, how do you think things are going? I'm like. Stephanie, I don't know what you mean. Like, how are they unhappy? And why, mm-hmm. like, what did I do that made them? I don't understand. Yes. But I do see a lot of that where people go, you know, the staff feel, they feel micromanaged. Yes. They feel unhappy. And like, they'll drop that on the doctor. And the doctor's right. like, like, that's the worst kind of feedback because yes. they're powerless. Like, I don't understand. It's, under, it's I don't vague know. and it's subjective. Like, there is no, yes. there is nothing that is so, it is so vague and it is so subjective. There's nothing concrete or specific. You couldn't say to me, Stephanie, close your eyes. What does you micromanaging the team look like? Yes. I, I couldn't I, give you a picture of what that looks like from what you just told me. I agree. And I, I hear that that feedback given to people all the time. Yeah. It's just, it's, guys, it's destructive because it makes the person feel terrible and does not give them anything actionable they can do to change their behavior. Yeah. You know? And so, so a, a lot of it is, remember to speak in specifics, because this person is going to need to know specifics. Um, I'm assuming there's something that's going to bring this to a head, or there's something that we're, we're seeing a behavior, but sure. we need to have some sort of a specific thing to have this behavior, right? Um, remember, uh, clear is kind. And if you're struggling, you're like, oh, this is going to be a terrible conversation. Remember, clear is kind, right? Because I need to fix this problem, because what's happening is not okay to keep happening. Yep. And, um, and and so we're at that place where we're going to have this sort of intervention conversation um, and, and clear is kind. And, and, and what we're doing is just it just doesn't work. And I need to say that it doesn't work. And if this person's like, I hate it here. I hate these people here. I'm not going to change my behavior. Then they need to leave. Sure. And like that, that's that's where where we are. And so it's time to put cards on the table. That doesn't mean I'm giving an ultimatum. But if that's how they feel, I, I just I need them to know that what's going on, it's not, it's not working for me. Mm-hmm. And and that's fine. A lot of times when I say we're going to do an intervention, people say, oh, you're going to bring them in the office and we're going to close the door. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I, just because it's um, an important conversation doesn't mean it needs to be a stressful conversation. Right. Right. I want to try to keep I want to lower the stakes. I want to be empathetic. I want to have a real conversation with this person, yeah. not a performative flex on them, not a, I'm going to twist your arm, not a, it's two and a half strikes, buddy. It's not, I'm not, it's not that. 
if we're going to, especially if you've got multiple problems or this person's acting out in these different ways, we need to, we need to really try to come together. So, okay, so here, here it goes. Uh, and so you can help coach me through this. I guess what I'm going to try to do is, is set up, set, we need to set a time, right? Make sure we have time to talk with them. And so, hey, can you come in tomorrow morning? I just want to, I want to do a touch base with you and talk through how things are going and kind of where we are as we come into the end of the year. I like to use landmarks like the end of the year to sure. make it be like, yeah, we're going to end of the year wrap up. And so, hey, can you come in? Uh, let, let's find a time or, or can I take you to lunch tomorrow and we can talk through things uh, and see how things are going. But mm -hmm. I want to make sure I have time to do it. And the big thing is I'm going to try to bring them in and um, and lay out the problem and say, hey, um, I love having you here. And, you know, and, and, and I tend to like to start in a positive conversation, right? And, and try to frame the issue, right? I think a lot of times we mess this up and we go too specific. I say, hey, Stephanie Goss, welcome to my office. Yesterday, you said this <laughs> negative thing and it's a problem. You know what I mean? Yes. And, yeah, yeah. and that makes you feel like everything between you and me is bad. Sure. And so I, I'm going to start out wide. I'm going to say, hey, Stephanie, uh, I, first of all, I, I just want to, we're coming to the end of the year and I'm looking back at the year. And I, I am glad you're here. And I want you to know that. I want, uh, you know, I want you to know that that I think that you're a really good doctor. Uh, we've gotten a number of positive comments from clients about you over the last year. You guys looking over our online reviews, and I, and I see this sort of positive feedback. And, um, and I think you have great medical knowledge. And I think that that you are are really popular with our clients. And I know how hard you try to keep our clients happy. And I can see that effort in you. And I can see that that care and compassion for the pets. And I just want you to know that all those things are really obvious and I, and I really personally appreciate them. And so now I'm trying to lay this down. It's not everything is bad, but I'm, and I'm not going to say if it's not true. And so I'm trying to say to them, honestly, what, what do I want to do? If you can't come up with anything that's true and positive, then this, this relationship is not worth having, you know? Yes. Um, so, so I'm going to try to open up that and say, hey, you know, this is, this is, this is where I am. This is how I feel. The other thing is I'm trying to lower the stakes. This is not do or die. There's lots of good things about our relationship. So once I've kind of laid down what, what's, what's positive and what's kind of going well, then I'm going to sort of transition over to, to where we're going. And I don't want to make this an accusatory thing and say, well, the staff says you were mean to them and so you were mean to them. Right. What I'm going to say is, hey, so these are the things that, that I love about one of the points that I want you to focus on or, or that we need to talk about in development is interactions with the staff. There has been a perception that you can be really negative about the performance of the staff or how they're doing. And I mm -hmm. have some staff members who feel like uh, they walk on eggshells because they're worried about making you unhappy. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you um, some examples that don't divulge these people's identity. But, you know, for example... Well, when people or even people if it does, dentals. if it's something that you see, right? Like as a, that's a great place as a manager, like even if it puts the spotlight on another person on the team, if you have seen something yourself, like in this in the email, they gave us a great example of where uh, this doctor like snapped really badly at an assistant who was stalking the room and put too many what the doctor thought was too many needles in the needle bin. <laughs> And they yeah. and they snapped at them like that's a great concrete example. If you see something like that, say, you know, it's I know it's a really small thing, but I just like this felt like a really good example for me um, yeah. of, of what I'm talking about, because I know I know that you didn't mean to make her feel bad. I know that you didn't, um, you know, intend for your tone of voice to come off as mean, like you want it done right. And I appreciate that. And at the same time, this is how it's, it came across to me or this is how they perceived it. Um, yeah. And that's what we have to talk about because we can't have that. 
I don't want there to be that kind of interaction between you and somebody else on a regular basis or something like that. Yeah. No, I, I like that as well. I mean, so so here's so the best thing is when we see that happen, that's the best time to intervene. Right. And, the, and so so the best thing is, is if we can see something like that happen and this person snaps at one of the support staff because they put too many needles into the container right. uh, and, they, and they raise their voice. Um, the best thing is to say, hey, can we can we talk real quick? Hey, listen, when uh, when you raise your voice to the staff like that, it rattles them to their core. Like right. they respect you and they're try- like she's trying to do her best. And um, and that type of feedback, it it damages the trust that they have in you. And also raising your voice like that, that's not what we do. And it's not that's not the behavior that I that I kind of expect from you is every is everything OK? Mm-hmm. And, yes. and I, I really like that. Is everything OK or, or what happened? But if it happens and I see it and say, hey, that, man, that's not what we do here. Are you are you doing OK? Is everything all right? Like, that's not that's not how I that's not how you tend to behave. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about you. And then and I use those phrases a lot of what happened. Are you, is everything okay? I'm a little bit worried about you. Um, those are true and they're compassionate statements of not like, how could you yell at her like a monster? But instead, right. hey, that's not like you and that's not what we do here. Are you, are you doing okay, man? I'm, like, I'm, I'm a little worried about, about your behavior. What's going on? And that's exactly where I want to get to is in that what's going on conversation. Yeah. And so, I, no, I really like that. If, I, if I'm having a sit down with the person, again, ca- catching them in the moment is always, and having this specific conversation there is always the best. But if I'm doing an evaluation type thing, let's say this is something that's slowly, steadily building. Right. I'm going to start with all the things that I like about them. And then I'm going to say, hey, this is a developmental plan, just so you kind of know where we're at. We've gotten negative feedback from the staff about these behaviors. Their perception is that you're unhappy with the work that they do. And that's important. I said their perception is, I didn't say you yell at them. I said their perception is that you are aggressive mm-hmm. about mistakes that they make. And uh, honestly, I, some of them seem to be uh, fearful in their mm-hmm. interactions with you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a behavior we, we, need, we need to fix. Do you, do you see those behaviors or do you, or do you remember interactions like that? And I'm trying to get them to say, yes, I, I see that behavior or no, I don't see that behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and we can open the conversation up from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I like the idea of being able to use a landmark if that is appropriate. The other thing that I like to do is um, to just st- use the wide end of the net from the place of compassion. Right. And like, if I was going to, if, if I was going to have this conversation, it's probably going to feel a little bit like a come to Jesus because it sounds like, and again, we only have part of the story, right? We only know what they, they sent us in the email, but it sounds like there's stuff that has maybe been building and hasn't been addressed really regularly. And so I would probably start with like, Hey, I, I just want to touch base and check in with you because you don't seem okay. Like you seem really anxious. You seem really overwhelmed and I'm worried about you. And I just want to know, like, I want to, I want to know where your head's at and how you're feeling so I can help figure out how, how I can support you and how we can support you. Right. Yeah, um, like then, it. then we're coming at, at it from a place of compassion and I like to let them, I like them to direct the conversation. Ultimately, I I, I don't like having conversations where I don't I don't know how it's going to end because I'm a control freak. Um, and at the same time, I'm okay with taking some detours. And so I would rather open it up and have them tell me, how do you think things are going? Even if ultimately I want to get to the place of accountability and have the conversation about, 
these are the changes I need to see from you. This is the behavior that I expect. I still want to know, like, what's what's the backstory? Because there are always at least two sides to every story. And the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. And so yeah. I am looking at this from the perspective of the team is frustrated. I am frustrated. Like I have all of the stuff on one side of the story and I need the other side of it. So I need to know what's going yeah. on for them. Do, or is, is there stuff going on at home? Are they, are they frustrated? Cause maybe there was an incident I don't know about with a team member. And now there are trust issues. Like opening the door to that kind of dialogue is the only way that I'm going to get that kind of information. Now they may sit across from me and be like, everything's fine. And then this is where like, as a, as a leader, <laughs> uh, it is a superpower to be, come comfortable with the uncomfortable and lean into the yeah. silence <laughs> because because that is where I will just sit and let them actually tell me is it actually okay because one of two yeah. things happens either they keep repeating it's okay it's okay it's okay okay you've said that three times now that isn't actually reassuring me in fact it's making me yeah. feel like there is something wrong and you just don't want to talk about it okay if things but if, if it's if that's actually if that is actually true I'm cool with that. I would love to know what is going well. Give me, give me some examples. Tell me what is, what is going okay. Like how, you know, and, and push back and drill down. And some of this is going to take work on your part to kind of uncover where they're going. But I have found to your point from a, from the coaching conversation perspective, right? Part of it is about getting them on your team, like getting mm -hmm. on the same page. And I, I find it way easier to do that if it's coming from them. Cause now if yeah. they'll open up and they'll tell me about some of the things that are going on with the tech team or something's going on at home or whatever. Now I have more of the story and now I can reevaluate. And I'll tell you, I've gone into some of these conversations armed with a plan to like, look, I've got to address this behavior. And that is still true. And I come out of it with a completely different plan than I had in my head going into it because they gave me information that I didn't have at the start of that conversation. Yeah, so I agree with that. So I, I think from a, from a, from a strategy standpoint, you, you put your finger right on it. I don't want this to be an adversarial conversation where I'm telling you that you're failing and you're telling me that you're not or you're telling me I'm a jerk. I want this to, to be a conversation where we acknowledge that you are having some struggles with the staff and I'm, and I'm, I'm supporting you. I'm gonna help you figure out how to go Get, get through this, how to be successful, you know, how to get you what you need and open doors for you with the staff so you can build right. those relationships. That, that's where I want to get to. And so asking them, and again, it's so much more powerful if I say to you, Stephanie, how are, how are things going? And you say, Andy, I don't think they're going very well. Mm -hmm. and, and I go, okay, let's talk about what's going on. Yeah, That's so much better than me saying, Stephanie, things are not going well. I'm going to need you to make some changes. Right. Like you feel how tight that is, you know, and it's 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 the oppor the opportunities for us to work together for you as the associate vet to make your own decisions and own your own development. Those those opportunities go go away. The yes. other thing that I, that I want to I want to go back to is um, when you were like, you know, they say it's fine or they say I, I don't know or everything is good. I, I completely agree that. You can't let things like that lie. And so the, the phrasing that I'll use a lot in those things is, I, I know you say that things are okay, but I'm seeing these issues from the staff and I need to work with you to figure out how to resolve them. You know, mm -hmm. I know that you keep saying it's fine, but I really don't feel like you feel it is, you know, mm -hmm. based on our conversation. Or mm -hmm. you keep saying it's fine, but the truth is, we still need to deal with the outcomes 
and and what the staff is saying and how and how they're feeling. And it's a way of moving that conversation first. But I think we both agree. You can't let the person say, I'm fine, and then cross their arms. Right. You know, we can we can push in a number of times. And a lot of these things are you set yourself up for the best case scenario, right? So mm-hmm. the first thing is I want to lower the stakes here. I want to con- you know convince them that that I see value in them and in our relationship. And then I want to ask them how they think that's going. And I want the conversation to open up as they tell me where they're struggling. That's great. If that's not going to happen, then we're going to fall back to I'm going to present to them what I see going on and then ask them if they agree with that representation or if they have ideas about how we might move forward with it. Right. And if they say, nope, I don't agree with this. Everything is fine and I can't draw them out. Then ultimately, I'm going to fall back to the least of my at least favorite of mine, which is, hey, this is what I see. And this is not acceptable for our for our culture. It's, it's, it's not OK. It's not how we run a practice. It's not uh, the place that we want to come and work at. You know, it's, right. it's not OK for the staff to be worried about getting yelled at. And I need you just to hear that, like, that's not a thing that we're going to be able to do or that we're going to allow to go on in this clinic. I, I said, I like you. I want you to be here. But I need you to hear from me that this is not acceptable. And it, it cannot happen again. And I want to support you. And if there are things that frustrate you, I want you to communicate them to me so I can so I can try to work on them because mm-hmm. I do want our practice to get better. And mm-hmm. I, I know our practice isn't perfect. I know practice is perfect. But you got to work through these things with me and you cannot blow up at the staff and make them untrusting of you or, or scared to make decisions or to work independently, that's not okay. It's not in line with our values. It's not the workplace culture that we want to create. Mm-hmm. Can you can you help me with that? Can you make that happen? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the type like that's the type of wording that I'll use, even if I have somebody whose arms are crossed. And ultimately, I say clear as kind. It doesn't get much more clear than we cannot have doctors raising their voice to the technicians that cannot happen that's not in line with our culture the damage to our team morale is is huge and it it undermines everything we're trying to build from a workplace standpoint it's and the optics for you are terrible um it 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 really it is what people will remember about you and it's just it can't happen and it cannot happen again yeah and and i think that that's um I think that for me, that's like the resolution note, right? Like w- really at the end of the, the day, and I, you put your finger on this early on in the episode, which is like, we've got to do some pre-work and some zooming out and some looking at this to, from a big picture perspective and really do some assessment pros and cons wise on, does this feel savable? Yeah. Um, because if the answer is no, then as much as it's painful and as much as doctors are hard to find, like... If you and I think this person knows the answer because they were just like finding good people to work with us is also a challenge. And so I don't want to lose a doctor, but I don't want them to run the team out of town. Right. And so you might know the answer already and it may just be doing the hard thing that you don't want to do and and parting ways. Um, And if you zoom out, and you do the assessment and you're like, there are some serious pros here. And I would Mm -hmm. like to try and save this relationship. Then I think you have to look at this from the perspective of how can I start to have some of these conversations? And you have to, for me, the the last piece of advice on the the action steps in, in gearing up to have this conversation is the trap, the giant gopher trap as a manager that you can very easily fall into is now I've done this work and I've listed out all of these things 
that are going wrong or that this person is doing that are not okay or that I'm, that I'm irritated by. And the giant gopher trap is to fall down into that hole and say, here's the 30 things that are yeah. driving me crazy that you need to fix. Because they're, yeah. <laughs> all that is going to do is make them be like, they're, all I'm hearing is negative. All I'm mm. being told is that I'm bad. I'm not doing things right. I might as well give up, right? Like that is immediately going to set them up for failure. And so you have to resist the temptation to be like, I need you to not, you know, raise your voice to the staff. And also I noticed that you have records that haven't been written up still sitting on your desk from two weeks ago. And I noticed that you have client callbacks that you haven't made from last week. I need yeah. you to deal with all of those things, right? Like it's a, such an easy temptation to give into as a, as a manager, to want to address all of those things. And this is where yeah. I think you have to pick your poison and you have to pick the place where you start and then recognize that this is, if we're truly going to coach this person out of it, and I don't think that it's unsavable. Like I would look at this and say, well, I would, I would want to, I would want the opportunity to coach if there are enough redeeming things in the pros column. Like I would want yeah. the opportunity to do that. And I also need to be realistic Grum was not built in a day. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change this situation overnight either. I have to pick a place that feels like the most middle ground. And for me, that's also part of why I, I'm gonna do everything I possibly can to get them talking because I wanna know, is there some middle ground? Is there a bone that they will throw out to me that I can pick up and gnaw on because it feels like a good starting place? You know, yeah. like what can where can we meet in the middle? What can I help them work on and then work my way forward? keeping my eye on all of those other things, but also recognizing that things that have gone unspoken for months, like you cannot dump it all in here. <laughs> yeah. Be like, well, let me and, have this conversation. Exactly right. I think that's totally true. Well, well, first of all, you don't know if this is salvageable, right? Because right. you cannot change this person. It 100% depends on that person yeah. and whether or not they're going to change. And you don't have any power of that. So if you say, Andy, is this going to work out? No idea. Right. Go have the conversation. And the person, sometimes they surprise you and they'll say, look, this is what I'm going through, or this right. is what I'm dealing with, or this is the thing that really bothers me. And I say, you know what, I can, I can support you through that, or I can work with you through that. Sometimes yeah. they'll say, I understand what you're saying, and I see that, and I don't like it about myself, and, and it's something I'm, I'm willing to work on. Or sometimes they say, screw you, if you don't like, if you can't handle me on the bad days, you don't deserve <laughs> me on the good days. And you or, go, oh, or sometimes great. they say, I'm, I am really unhappy, and I actually am, I was going to give you my notice. Like, yeah. sometimes it works out easy for you. Exactly right. And so you don't know what's going to happen. So right. all you can do is tell this person what you need yep. and go from there. The other thing to your point, um, there's these are sometimes we stage these conversations. We say these are these are the these are the problems. When it's at the very beginning, when a diagnosis and try to figure out is this an underlying problem that's manifesting out. The, one of the reasons I want to do that is because when I bring them in, I don't want to talk to them about the 10 symptoms. I want to talk to them about the one problem. Right. You you don't seem to have a good relationship with staff from from what I see. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the staff does not perceive you as being approachable. And here's examples of things that, that they've given feedback on. Um, and I'm trying to get to what is the big thing that manifests out multiple ways so we can talk about one thing. Right. If there's not one thing connected, then you need to pick one. You need to pick the most urgent one and you need to talk to them about that. And a lot of times what happens is you can get that person to say, well, this is why I do that. And you go, oh, now I understand why you do the six other things that you also do. And uh -huh. a lot of times you can unlock that. But to your point, 
if you just back the dump truck of complaints up and right. just dump it on them, they're they're going to feel like it's it's pointless. No yeah. one, you know, no one wants to hear eighty seven things that are wrong with them because they go, well, you just don't like me, and you're not going to like me, and this is everything about me you don't like. What are we doing here? And so that that kills it. But to your point, yeah, pick pick the things that matter and push for it. And the last thing is, you know, you said pick your poison. That's always it. Um, I think a lot of people. Uh, ride in on their on their on their white stallion with their flaming raging sword of justice and say, you know, this person's a bad cultural fit and they're gone. You're better off without them. And I've always thought oh, it's amazing how often we are better off without people when we think, oh, I can't hire anyone. I don't mm-hmm. have an option. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you are better off uh, without the person. At the same time, to me, I'm pretty darn pragmatic. This is a math problem. You need to look at the discomfort of working with this person for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. and versus the discomfort of working without this person right. for the foreseeable future. Right. And honestly, from this, it sounds like even if that person can't be replaced, that the scales may still not balance it. You may have less discomfort without this person not being able to replace them than you do with this person. And if you are able to replace them, then that's a bonus. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that was a lot. It was, this was, this one was a lot, but also yeah. uh, fun. I, I really like your idea of, about uh, doing some more role play because we get that, we get that a lot. That was not, was not as that smooth was, as I hoped it would no, be probably. That was on, that was I, on the fly. <laughs> that was, well, but here's the thing too. I, I think if we want to do more role play, I think, and I should have said this from the very beginning is I don't plan to, to graph this out. I, I'm not interested in coming in because I think the real problem is when you have consultants and they do role play, they sit down with their spreadsheet or their laptop, right? And their word processor and they wordsmith some BS sure. that you would never actually say to someone. Right. And the truth is it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. And we're we're not perfect when we have these conversations. I think we're pretty good at them. Um, I, I think what I would say is if we're going to do more sort of role play type stuff, the way I would do it is to say, how do I think I would do this? Let's talk about it. What might this look like? Because the other thing yeah. is you don't know how the person's going to react. And so I'm willing, I think, I think that's what's held me back from doing more role play stuff is to say, well, there's not a perfect way to say this. And I don't want to be critiqued on that. And I say, I'm willing to do some more role play stuff with everyone recognizing that you and I are just hammering through this. Right. And we're going to take our best shot. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. And you never know what the person's going to say. So anyway, I think that that's kind of, I'm interested in trying to do some more of that. I love it. I love it. So our call to action to all of you is that if there is something that you would love to uh, hear role played or that you would love to talk through from a specific perspective, send us send us a shout out in yeah. the mailbag because we would love to see it. Awesome. I think that's fun. Let's try it out and see how it goes. Okay. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. Yeah. See you, everybody. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. This was so fun. Andy and I always enjoy spending part of our week with you all. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you have an issue going on in your practice or question that you would love to hear us answer, or if there is something that you would like to hear us role play, talk through the details of what to say and how to say it on the podcast, please send us a message. You can find the mailbag at unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag. Send us a message, whether you want to be anonymous or have a secret code name or not, send us your message and we uh, would love to feature it on an upcoming podcast episode. Take care, everybody. Have a great week.